Oh, thank you so much. It is good to be here. Um, I know Keith was really grieving, but we as a church are grieving that Whitney has come. And uh, you will love Whitney. She is an amazing young lady. And uh, her family is outstanding. And Eli is just a reflection of his mom and dad and sister as well. I told Keith last night, I said, bro, if we're giving you Whitney, you need to send about 10 of your people (laughs) from here to Gainesville to replace what we're losing. And uh, we, she is just thoroughly excited about being here. I know just in talking with Alan and Liz, but you know, the amazing thing that I love about Sovereign Grace is the fact that we can with confidence as a pastor, as a pastor who cares for his folks like Keith cares for you, to know that a young lady that you have watched growing up in the Lord, to be able to go to a church that you know is just gospel-centered. She's just not going off to New Orleans and going to a church I know nothing about. But she's going to a church that shares a vision that we share. That shares a passion for the gospel that we share. That shares a passion for the local church that we share. And it is just, it is heartwarming. It is, uh, yesterday uh, during the ceremony, uh, I did the first half, Keith did the second half. And one of the things that Whitney asked if I could do, and she says, Phil, you have been my pastor and and Keith is now coming. I'm going to be members of Lakeview and... If you would, if you would just make that transition, just as my father's given me away, if you would just make that a note of transitioning from you being my pastor to now Keith being my pastor, that just shows you her heart and understanding of a vision for the local church and her passion for God. And it was a joy to be able to do that yesterday. And so thank you for all that were here. And and uh, we're just excited to be here. And I'm just grateful uh, as I have walked around and And so amazed to see what God has done for Lakeview Christian. Is God good or what? Man. I remember coming here a number of years ago, probably four or five years ago. And then my wife and I coming with some friends even before that. And uh, just seeing the church here and then the, the house with the office and then the neighbor's house and then the, and then on and on and on. And to see in the midst of incredible devastation to a city, to see God raise up a new beacon right here is just, you know, who would have ever thought of it? I mean, who would have ever thought of it? And to think that this building will continue to be here long after we're gone and to be a source and a light. Uh, just coming off the interstate over the last couple of days as we were here for the wedding and rehearsal and seeing the building, every time I look off to my left and see this thing, I, I just sit back and say, it's just a testimony of God's grace. Testimony of God's grace. So it is good to be here. want to uh, just introduce my wife. She is... A joy to me. Uh, we uh, just have a wonderful time. And we have five children, four boys, and then the girl. Uh, and uh, their ages are the oldest. Their birthdays are all coming up 
Uh, well, one's birthday was yesterday, and all of them are coming up here. So they're 22 to 14. And uh, four boys and a girl, and they're all doing great. Home, uh, we, unfortunately, with the wedding being this weekend, uh, my fourth son, who is the smallest of the four kids, wants to play football. And he played last year, and he did pretty well. And so last night was their spring football game and uh, was able to say, hey, thank God for the inventions of cell phones and technology because I'm able to text him, what's the score? How's Zach doing? All to get the lowdown as my son was at the game, and uh, he's a sophomore, 10th grade, starts on the varsity as a wide receiver. And so I was just wanting to see if they were going to throw the ball to him at all. And, uh, and so, uh, but uh, by God's grace, uh, they were... From the scoop of what I heard last night, they were down 14 to 6. 23 seconds left to go in the game. Fourth down, they're going for it. And they throw it. My son catches it. And he goes in. He gets tackled at the two-yard line. They go in, punch it in, and then get the two-point conversion. Tie the game. So, needless to say, I got a phone call. My son is ecstatic. Dad is definitely grieving because he wasn't there. But... uh, but we're just excited. I just can't believe my smallest son is playing football. And, uh, but he loves basketball like his dad. And it's just great. And we're just glad to be here. But this is my wife, Kay. Kay, why don't you stand if you would? And uh, she was celebrating last night with Zach as well. Yep. So it is wonderful. We have our road up um, over from Gainesville with our good friends, Doug and Diane Talby. And... Um, I just had a great time with them. They're dear friends of ours. Uh, just bringing, wanted to bring greetings from Gainesville, Florida, home of the defending national champions, Florida Gators. I, I thought I would endear you. Just wanted to get that out and, and probably turn the mic off. I love it. I love it. I love it. Yeah, I know. I know it's difficult. And uh, but, you know, two out of the last three years, national champion, it's hard to swallow. It's difficult for us to remain humble, you know, to be the only university ever to hold the football national championship and the basketball national championship simultaneously. Yeah, that's right. right. So we're looking forward. And the guys from Georgia, I'm sorry, too, you know. Whatever this, who let the dogs out stuff. I mean, how many of you guys are from Georgia, from the AIM group? Are you Bulldog fans? Okay, yeah. Well, we're sorry. So, so just love that SEC football. So, we're there. But I did want to just take a moment, if I could, on all seriousness, just to pray for these guys from the AIM group. First of all, guys, thanks for coming and sacrificing your money and time to be here. And I want to pray for you that God would just bless your endeavors. And then I'll pray for the message as well. So, Father, I thank you for all of these young people that are here. Lord, they have taken their time out of their busy lives and schedules to come to this wonderful city. A city of rich history and a city of great need. And so, Lord, I ask that you would bless their week here. I ask, Lord, that you would open up the doors of divine appointments, 
that you would bring, uh, let them as they have come to serve. Lord, I pray first and foremost, Lord, that they would be the ones changed. That they would, Lord God, encounter you here while they are serving and in the midst of serving, that you reveal to them in a greater way, Lord, of who you are. So, Lord, I pray for this AIM group, for your hand of protection over them. And, Lord, for the gospel of Jesus Christ to go out as they share with those around. And we thank you. And then, Lord, for today, I thank you for my dear friends and fellow heirs with you in the kingdom of God here at Lakeview. My brothers and sisters who I love dearly. Lord, we just pray, God, that you would bless our time. Bless the word, Lord, we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. All right, if you have your Bibles, open up, please, to Philippians chapter 4. And Keith, I am going to need a clock or something to let me know where I'm at or watch. Do you use a watch? He needs a calendar? Okay. So Keith doesn't use a time, huh? (laughs) I love it. That just gives me freedom. That's that's wonderful. That's a nice watch, bro. So we'll have to see. Did you get that for him, Peter? Okay. Okay, wonderful. All right, Philippians chapter 4, verse 7 through 9. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely... Whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. In 1972, the United Negro College Fund partnered with the Ad Council to launch a public service advertising campaign encouraging Americans to support the fund. The campaign slogan really has been unchanged for three decades and has become a part of American vernacular. And I think many of you would know it. And the slogan is, a mind is a terrible thing to waste. Exactly. And today we're going to look at this issue of the mind and our thoughts about cultivating a renewed mind. Because if you think about it, the, the, the brain is the most is a powerful and very complex organ. It has the ability to process and send information faster than any computer. It is said that there is more electronic equivalent in one human brain than all the radio and television stations in the entire world put together. That is how fast our brain 
functions and operates, the thought processes that we go through. And so we have to be careful with our minds. And the Apostle Paul encourages us in this way to be aware of our minds and to beware of our thoughts in particular. Because as I have experienced life in general and as my own life experience says in those times where I counsel individuals, I am fully aware that many times our behavior is a direct result of our thoughts, of the thought processes that we have. And our hope and my hope today is that we do not waste our minds on sinful thoughts and ungodly thoughts, but that we focus them on the things that are righteous and godly. And in your notes, if you have your notes, there is a quote in there by John MacArthur. I'll be referring to your notes a lot. It says this, No sin is more destructive to the conscience than that sin that takes place in the arena of the mind. Sins of the mind assault the conscience like no other sins because the conscience is their only deterrent. We are constantly bombarded with thoughts in our minds. And in the book, uh, The Sinfulness of Sin, a, a, a Puritan writer named Ralph Venning wrote the book, And in it, he uses the phrase that I'm going to use today a lot, thought sins. What are thought sins? Thought sins are this. He describes thought sins as sins that are produced and pondered in the mind. Sins that are thought and pondered and produced in the mind. What are some thought sins? Number one, being double-minded. Very aware of what James talks about. That we are not to be double-minded because if you're double-minded, then you're unstable in all your ways. That is a thought sin. That is not having clear direction when God's word gives us clear direction. That we're not be, to be tossed and back, back and forth by every wind of doctrine. So we are not to be double-minded in our thoughts. Other thought sins include reliving old memories. It can happen many times when you get married. Or in your life, you begin to reflect a little bit in your life about all the good old days. And all the, all the previous sins that you used to enjoy. You can relive those things in a way that, that produce ungodly thoughts. Ungodly pictures, ungodly imaginations that you had experienced in that time. And somehow we find pleasure in that when it should grieve us. Other thought sins are scheming. You see, because when we sin, more than likely we have thought about it. The man or the woman who commits adultery doesn't just commit adultery. He has already schemed it. He's already planned it. When you're confronted by someone, at that moment, you have that ability to know that you're either going to lie and deceive 
or you're going to tell the truth. I never saw this even more than when my kids were growing up. So growing up, we would sit down with them and look at them. I could name all, basically all five of them. Well, maybe the four boys, the girls, she's an angel, so anyway... Definitely on the four boys, I could look at them. The girl, you just look at her, and if I just give her a look, she just breaks down and starts crying. I'm sorry. She, she's the youngest of the bunch, and we're leaving this weekend. I told my older, uh, the three other boys, my oldest son living in Fort Myers, I said, you know, guys, the only thing that brings comfort to me, or doesn't bring comfort to me, I should say, is, is the fact that your sister's not here because she's the only conscience that you guys have. You know, the fact that, my daughter would be there. It just handcuffs those guys and keeps them reined in. But as, so as the boys were growing up, I would ask them, okay, you know, what happened? Or I would confront them on things that I know of a lie. And they would stand there and they're looking at you. And you could just see their little eyes just start going like a computer, going back and forth thinking. Okay, and, and in their mind, they're scheming. What do I say right now? How can I trick mom and dad and, and make this sound better than it is and what it is? And, so, and in their head, they're just scheming. And you can just see. How many parents know what I'm talking about here? Okay. All right. I just want to make sure I got the right group. Or, or just my kids that do this stuff. But they begin to scheme and think. And how can. And, and, and you could, as, as a father and as a parent, you can just look at them. You know. Just fess up is what you're thinking. Just fess up. Don't try to scheme. Don't try to make, you know, I mean, don't try to confuse. Don't try to uh, deflect it and reflect it to another child. You know, don't come back and say, well, dad, it's those brothers you gave me. <laughs> Just own up to it. But we scheme, we plot, we do everything when you're caught in deception, it, it is there when all this begins. Desire is another thought sin. You know, I had to repent this week as, as the lotto was $232 million. So I drove by and saw the sign. I just thought, wow, what would I do if I won $232 million? That's why the Lord doesn't let me win $232 million. Desire, imaginations, all these things, are, all this takes place in the arena of our minds. And these thought sins is what God is after today. You see, because the gospel of Jesus Christ, which we will see in a moment, has come to bear not only on our hearts, but also our minds as well. The Apostle Paul is encouraging us to think on these things, which we will look at in a moment. But this issue of thought sins is just that. It's the, what takes place in the arena of the mind. John MacArthur, in your notes, the quote says, Evil thoughts thus underline and lay groundwork for all other sins. Evil thoughts underline and lay the groundwork for all other sins. Ralph Venning, in your notes, says this. Evil deeds are the offspring and children of evil thoughts. The branches and the fruit which grow out of its root. Thoughts are the firstborn of the soul. 
words and actions are only their younger brothers. They are the oil that feeds and maintains the wick which would otherwise go out. Life sins. Look at this last quote here. Life sins receive their juice and nourishment from thought sins. What is it that you struggle with in your life? What area of your sin do you find yourself constantly battling many times? Well, I can tell you that it begins here in your mind. As you think on those things, as you think on those sins, as you think, how can I, when I'm sitting down at my computer... When I am at work, when I am at home watching television alone, what are these things that begin to inundate your mind at that moment? How do you find yourself many times beginning to scheme and connive on how you're going to get around it? How can you begin to make sure is, is nobody in the room here that could walk in at any moment? What about accountability partners? How can, I, how can I phrase it in a way that doesn't let my care group leader know if they ask me a question? How can I phrase it in a way with my accountability partner that I can maintain it and talk about it all the more? How can I scheme and connive around it? How can I minimize it in my eyes and justify it in my eyes? These are the thoughts that are coming through our minds here. These are the things that lead to life sins. It's going to be okay. It's going to be all right. When we've got to see that life sins are nothing more than the offsprings of evil thoughts, of our thought life. And so what we see here as we experience this on a daily basis and many different things. And there's probably a number of areas in your heart that maybe the Holy Spirit is even letting you know right now. Because it is a, it is a battle that we face. And it is a battle that I am sure that the Apostle Paul was fully aware of. You see, because our thoughts... Reveal our true character. Our thoughts reveal our true character. They reveal many times of who we are because many times, you know, I've always heard it said character is not who you are in public, it's who you are in private. And many times our thought life is what brings us down and leads us down the road to. Sin. As I have, my boys have gotten older. And as I have walked out life with them, I am able to take this practice with them to say, guys, do you see where this desire comes from? I mean, James is clear where desire comes from. It's not coming from an outside source. Sin's there, the temptation is there, but, but, but it's the thought processes. How are you processing this whole step? Let's, let's back up. 
And it's not just the actions, it's the thoughts that are, that are producing these things, putting that desire there. The very fact that I'm there and we're having accountability with them and I'm having to ask the questions rather than them just come and bring the confession, if there is one. How do they process all of this? What are they trying to do to say, well, you know, I didn't really think it was that important. What? You didn't think it was that important? Bro, you know, son, I want to know everything that's going on in your life. I want to be aware of all of these things. Even if you don't think it's important, let me be the judge of that. Not you. You see, because I want to encourage all of you here. If you know that there's something that you need to share with a care group leader or a friend or a spouse, you know, you, you, we're all, I do the same thing. We all are going to minimize, ah, I don't need to share that. I don't need to make the guys aware of this. It's no big deal. Because we want to minimize it. When in their eyes, if I shared it, they could bring something to, to bear on the light on the situation. Maybe they want to probe a little bit more and I don't want them to probe. And so we see here that life sins are the result of thought sins. It's this process of what we see. But the good news is because of the gospel of Jesus Christ, he has given us a remedy for thought sins. And the Apostle Paul talks about it here in Philippians chapter 4. First of all, he tells the Philippian church and he tells us here today that we are to think. We are to think. And this is a good thing because in our culture today, it's not so much that they want you to think, they want you to feel. How do you feel? Or how do you feel about that? It's not what do you think about that. They want you to feel it. They don't want you to think about it. You know, because sometimes if you, you think about something, maybe you come across as not being sensitive enough. But the Apostle Paul doesn't want us to feel these things. He wants us to think on these things. This word think here is critical for us because it, it, is, it is talking about and gives the idea here of meaning to ponder. To give proper weight and value to. To allow this, as we ponder and think of these things, that it will influence us in a way to live life in a way that glorifies God. We are to carry these things and see the value of these things that produce something in us because of the battle that has taken place in the mind. The battle that has taken place. I don't think the Apostle Paul just like, you know what? I'm just going to write this nice little cute phrase for the Philippians to ponder. I think he's adamant about this. I think the Apostle Paul, I mean, he he comes down and he says, what? In verse 9, he says, hey, what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the peace of God will be with you. I guarantee you that the Philippian church probably saw Paul practicing these things right here that we're talking about. Paul is encouraging them to think. 
to ponder these things, to, to, to think about them so much that it affects the way you live. You know, it's the day and age in which we live with the information that is right there at our fingertips, the information that all takes place as we continue to pursue the things of God. I mean, and you're living here. I mean, it's just information overload, a click of a button, Fox News, CNN, whatever newscast you watch. I mean, information is there. I mean, there's times where I just have to tell the church, don't watch television. Don't watch the local news. Don't listen to the latest radio personality. I mean, just don't because it can get very discouraging. You can walk around and think, man, the economy's bad and it's this. And, and you just walk around with the Eeyore mentality. You know, it's just poor me. How's it going today? Oh, it's fine for everybody else. I just sit back and say, this is crazy. I mean, because when you listen to those things, whatever you're going to put into your mind is what's going to come out. It's going to affect the way you live. You're going to believe half the thing that's taking place. I mean, you know, we, ha- we experience it in Florida just as much as you experience it here. I was watching the news a little bit this morning. I guess it was the news. I don't know. But they were talking about hurricane season. Now, in Florida, I'm sure it's here And I'm sure you guys probably get it a lot more now since Katrina. But in Florida, it's just like, okay, you know, the hurricane season starts next week, I guess. And and so now they brought out their estimates on how many hurricanes we're going to have this year. You know, and so then the guys starts talking about, well, there's the estimate of this. And and then of that group that's going to come, of those 11 that are going to come, six of them are going to be hurricane, you know, force and then three of them are going are one to four they say don't give exact numbers it's always one to four or one to three or whatever and it's going to be this way and 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 i'm just sitting back here and i'm just saying and i'm just saying to myself as i'm in the room listening to these guys and continue to bring the panic in here folks okay you know it's going to be really bad well we really don't know i mean i've heard that since florida had like uh it was like four hurricanes hit it all in a matter of weeks here a couple years back. And so now in Florida, we get it every time, you know, and it's going to be, could really be a really rough season this year. And that, that was three years ago, four years ago when we had that really rough season. And you sit back and you pan and, and the media can just bring in a panic mode. And if you let those, the media dictate how you think, and it affects your thought. It, it will affect the way you live. It affects the way you spend money, doesn't it? And so what Paul's coming to us talking about today is he's encouraging us. He's saying, look, guys, I want you to think on these things, these things that are truth. And here when he's talking about Truth, he's talking about whatever is true, he's speaking of telling the truth and speaking of God. All of these have to do with characteristics of God. God is truth. God is true. We sang about it today. He's pure light. Whatever is honorable. In other words, whatever, is, whatever inspires awe and reverence. Think on that. Think on those things. Whatever is just. Think on God's justice and righteousness and how we are even to 
exemplify this characteristic in, in our lives. Whatever is just, whatever is pure, here is not only speaking of our relationship with God, but it also is talking of purity and our relationship with others. Think on these things that are true, that are honorable, that are just, that are pure. Whatever is lovely. This is the only time here in the Bible that this word is used in the Greek. It talks about whatever is lovely. It's talking about whatever is pleasing and attractive, whatever is of the Lord, whatever is, brings honor. Because here you've got this idea of purity, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, all of these things here. We can again attribute all of these things to God and that should obviously affect the way we think. Whatever is commendable. Here it's just talking about speaking of things, of something that is well, things that are grown. I want to commend you. I, I, you guys just don't know as a church, and I'm sure you've probably heard it through the various men that have been here to speak before, but you just don't know the impact that you as a church have had on us as pastors in Sovereign Grace. It's not just the building that's commendable. It's you that is commendable. The way you didn't complain for the most part. I'm sure that you probably, y'all feel you weren't around. But the way you honored God. There were many, many of you that I talked with that you just saw the hand of God in so many different things. Many of you, your homes destroyed in the process. The reports that we got back from the teams from Orlando that would come and they would speak of your character and your worship of God in the midst of devastation. Something that I don't think many of the other churches have ever experienced. And when we go through anything in Florida and at Abundant Grace, my mind instantly comes to Lakeview. First of all, to think what we experience is nothing, what you guys have experienced. I think on that, that is commendable. You are to be commended for your faith in God. For the way in the midst of your devastation, you gave heroically, not only for yourself, but for your brothers and sisters, for those in the community all around here that were impacted through your generosity. And then in the midst of that, for you to give sacrificially like you gave to build this beacon in the midst of a godless city is to be commendable. You see, when I can think about those things, you know what it does for me? When I think about things that are commendable like this, it builds my faith. It lets me know that there are people in New Orleans that love God, 
that are willing to sacrifice themselves for the kingdom of God. They're willing to sacrifice vacations. They're willing to sacrifice um, life's pleasures, life's enjoyment, life's needs many times to see the kingdom advanced, to see the kingdom to go forth. That is commendable. You as a church and Keith and Gina and the leadership team here, these men in our eyes, all of you, you're heroes to us. And I'm not saying that to flatter you. I don't believe in flattery. I say that to honor you and God in you for the work that he's done. It is commendable. And I can guarantee you, I know that as Florida pastors, when we get together, the guys are wanting to hear what's happening in New Orleans. We stand in awe of what God has done as Keith has given us the reports of all of the the trials of even putting this together and the things that you had to face with the opposition at many times as we're aware of that, praying for you in that and to see God move and open doors that would otherwise be open. Only God can do it. Only God can do it. But it's the amazing thing about it is that God is doing it through you. Isn't it amazing? That God would use us to be able to do that. That God would use you to be able to do this. You see, I can think on this and it affects me. It affects me. It gives me faith to move forward in the future with abundant grace. Because you know why? I've got folks at abundant grace that are just like you. They have sacrificed many times in many ways. They have carried the burden of Gainesville on their hearts probably longer than I have. And I've seen them sacrifice and give for our building and the things that we've done and the lives that have been affected by that. I can think of them them as well because it is commendable. It is what is well and pleasing And then the Apostle Paul continues. He says, look, if there is anything excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think of these things. You know, the Apostle Paul, he certainly wasn't being exhaustive here in this list. He wasn't just saying, hey, let's let's just knock out a couple things here. And I just want you to only think on these things. No, he kind of opens it up and ends it uh, on, on a broad base thing. Hey, whatever is of excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think on these things. So Paul is just reiterating his statement of what has taken place before. These are the things that we want to think on. Look at the quote in your note by Ken Hughes. He says this, Each of Paul's ingredients is explicitly positive. Now, one thing we have to understand here, we're not talking about the power of positive thinking here, okay? It's not what we're talking about. But what we are talking about is thinking about those things of what the Bible tells us to think on. And Ken Hughes says, Paul's ingredients, Paul's ingredients for what? Paul's ingredients for evil thoughts. 
Paul's ingredients for a renewed mind. This is his ingredient, is explicitly positive. The true, the noble, the right, the pure, the lovely, the admirable, all defy negative exposition. Each ingredient was and is a matter of personal choice. And our choices make all the difference of in the world. We can all choose a thought program which will produce a Christian mind. That is what we're after right here. We're after producing something. Not a secular mind, but a Christian mind. Not a negative mind or a positive mind. We just don't want positive thinking. We want Christian thinking. We want to think like Christ. Why? Because we have been transformed by Christ. We don't want to think the way we've always thought in the past. We, our minds have been renewed. We now want to think the way that Christ thinks. We want the ability to have a Christian mind. But it is important to see here that this is a choice for you. You have that ability to think Christian thoughts. You have an ability to think the way that the Apostle Paul wants you to think today and me to think today. We have that ability, but we can choose not to do it. We can go ahead and think negatively if we want to. We can go ahead and, and, and just walk around thinking ungodly thoughts. But I guarantee you, it will not produce the life that you desire. Many of us, we want to live lives that are pleasing and right to God. That sanctification aspect. But we've got to understand that many times our thoughts may be weakening in our ability to live for Him. And we've got to kill those thoughts and begin to think and cultivate a renewed mind so we can choose a thought program which will produce a Christian mind. That is what we want To see happen in our lives. And so how do we cultivate? I want to give some practical ways of cultivating a renewed mind. A pure mind. First of all, we've got to apply the gospel in our life. We've got to apply the gospel. You've got to see yourself in Christ. Who you are. You know, many times we've heard CJ tell us these things. He says... Again, it goes back to the the cross, doesn't it? He says, in our minds, he says, we must think 10 thoughts of Christ before we think of one thought of ourself. Because our tendency is to be the opposite. We want to think of the 10 things that we're not doing and the one thing that God has done for us. And CJ says, no, we got to reverse that. It's not about us. The gospel has come. Isaiah 55, 7 says this. Let the, wait, let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Your thought life has been redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ. And we must, not, a, not an issue, we must... Renew our minds and transform our thinking. Romans 12, 2. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that you, that by testing you may discern what the will of God is, what is good and acceptable and perfect. This is what God has done for us. 
Jesus tells us, Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven says, And he said to him, when they ask him, what is the greatest commandment? You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your what? With all your mind. This is what God has called us to. This is what the gospel has come. God, Jesus Christ, has come to this earth, died on a cross, resurrected from the dead, ascended to the Father, so that you could have a renewed mind, so that I could have a renewed mind, so that we could love God not only with our heart, not only God with with our soul, but we could love God with our minds. We can love God with our thoughts. We can love God. We don't have to give our thoughts over to the principles of this world. We don't have to give our thoughts over to Satan. We have been transformed from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. And our thoughts, the way we think, will affect the way we live. Colossians 3.2 says this, Set your minds on things that are above, not on things on the earth. Set our minds on the things above. You see, the Bible talks a lot about the mind, doesn't it? About the thought process. It's here. It is there that we see it. And cultivated in our life, the gospel of Jesus Christ has come and redeemed us. And he just didn't redeem our souls. He came to redeem our minds as well. The second way that we cultivate a, a, a pure mind is the refusal of thought sins. Refusing thought sins in your life. Romans 8, 7 says this. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. For it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. We don't want our minds to be hostile to God. We have been redeemed by God. And so therefore, because we have been redeemed, we must refuse thought sins. Again, in your notes, Ken Hughes says this. So we must lay down as fundamental to our Christianity this truth. A Christian mind demands conscious negation. A Christian mind is impossible. A Christian mind is impossible without the discipline of refusal. If you're not going to refuse thought sins in your life, if you're just going to let them come rushing in, and they will come rushing in. Hey, we saw how fast it, our brains transmit information. The speed of it, faster than any computer that you can think of. We see how fast that that takes place. Now, if we do not refuse those thoughts when they come in like a flood. I mean, it, it is amazing. Sometimes, I mean, there's anything in life can trigger thoughts in my head of even growing up as a child. 
even as a teenager, I can, I can go, I mean, if you've lived in New Orleans all your life, you can probably drive by a street and it just trigger emotion and thoughts and everything else. I can go back to Orlando where I grew up. I can drive by my house. I know the directions. I can go here and there, do all this stuff. I can see, I can walk to a sidewalk, a piece of concrete, stand on that piece of concrete and think about what happened right there. It just floods your mind. I mean, all these imaginations, all these thoughts. And, but the problem is, is that there was a lot of sin in my life growing up. And there may be thoughts that, that are out there that I don't want rushing in. And I can't sit there and say, oh, yeah, that was, that was a great time. You know, as a believer now, I've got to be able to sit there and think, no, if anything, I go to that place and I'm, I'm standing here. And when those flood of emotions come in, I go back, oh, the grace of God in my life. How you saved me, Lord. I remember that house. I remember that street. I remember that school. I remember this. Oh, God, how you redeemed me. And then I begin to think on what is commendable. God, you took a wretched man like me and you saved me. You see, I'm not going to sit back and ponder about what I did and find pleasure and enjoyment and imagination. And oh, oh, you know, or think about old boyfriends or old girl. I don't have boyfriends, but old girlfriends, I should say. <laughs> I use that for your benefit. For all the ladies out here, okay? We don't want to, because what we, you know, I mean, what, why are romance novels the number one selling books of all time? Because we sit there and, I don't read enough random, women sit there, I guess, and guys who read it, guys, if you read it, please see Keith afterwards. But, you know, we sit there and we fantasize about marriage and life and on and on and all these things. And then you get married and it's nothing like what they wrote about for the most part. But we have got to have the discipline of refusal in our lives to say no to these thoughts that come in. These ungodly thoughts, these sinful thoughts, don't sit there, ponder and find enjoyment in them, minimize them, do anything. No, reject them. And begin to think on these things that are right, that are true, that are pure, that are of the Lord. Those are the things that we want to think on. Third thing. This is very important on how to cultivate a pure mind. Don't let your thought life go idle. Don't let your thought life go idle. Oh, this is so true. I think Ralph Venning says it the best. He says this, the quote in your notes. He says, our thoughts are so active... And restless that they will be doing something or the other. And like unruly soldiers, if others do not employ them well, they will employ themselves ill. It is so true. If you are not telling your thoughts where to go, they're going to go where you don't want them to. That is what thought sins do. This is how they find themselves in their life. They are unruly soldiers. And if you don't tell them where to go and what to think on, they will go and think on something that is not beneficial and does not bring something to your soul as a result. And then fourth, meditate on God's word. Meditate on God and his word. All the attributes of God, his word, all of these things. Psalms 1, 1 through 3 says, Blessed is the man 
who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seats of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all he does, he prospers. We prosper. This is what we are desirous of. A Christian mind, transformed, meditating on God's word, thinking on these things that are true and honorable and just and pure and lovely and commendable and excellent. Think on these things. Think on God and his goodness as a result. And then finally, as the band is coming forward, as we close here today, finally, apply Philippians 4, 8, and 9 daily. You have to do it. You have to do it because our thoughts are so active and restless that we've got to wake up and say, you know what, I'm going to think on these things today that the Apostle Paul wants me to think on. I'm going to love God today, not only with all my heart, my, all my soul, but I'm going to love God today with my mind. I'm going to glorify God today with my mind. I am going to put to death thought sins in my life. And I'm going to think on these things because I know that as I begin to think on these things, my life is going to produce godly character as I think on these things and affect godly worship as a result. So let's stand to our feet. Let's just take a moment just to ponder what God has done for us. Of His goodness and of His grace and mercy. Let your thoughts be inundated with the thoughts of God's mercy on your life. Father, we think about we think about God where we were. Hopeless, seeking our own way, pursuing our own desires, not looking to you not even thinking about you, but running as fast as we could to hell. And in the midst of our running, you snatch us and take us out of the race that so many are running. And then God, you You send your son to die on a cross for us so that we could be redeemed, so that we could now live lives pleasing to you. But you just didn't stop there. You gave us the ring, the ring of a king 
you said, you're mine. I haven't just saved you. Now I've adopted you as my own. And now we are co-heirs with Christ. And we are your children. Lord, let us think on those things. Father, we come now, Lord, as we just want to take a moment just to repent. Where we have allowed our thought life to dictate our behavior, to dictate how we view you, how we view others. God, we ask, Lord, for forgiveness where we have had sinful thoughts, where we have allowed ungodly imaginations to come, where we have schemed and deceived in our minds. Forgive us. Forgive us, Lord. And so now, Lord, we thank you for your forgiveness. We receive your forgiveness. And God, now we ask that you would come and you would transform our thinking. You would transform our minds. And that now, Lord, we will think on these things that are true, that are honorable, that are pure, that are just, that are lovely, that are commendable. Lord, that is what we want to think on. We thank you and we praise you. Let's worship the Lord together.